Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to The Wind Down. I'm Nick and with me I've got... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I'm very well indeed. Another week. <laughs> Another week. Here Another we go. week. Now, let's start as we mean to go on. Where are we and what are we drinking? And this one's quite nice. Really? But the what wine. does that mean about the previous the, ones? Anyway. <laughs> okay, we, we're here at the Commodore Hotel in... Uh, it's, it's more Milsons Point than North, uh, North Sydney, mm-hmm. but it's uh, not far from our office, just down the hill a bit. And uh, this has been here ooh, uh, forever. As a, as a hotel, and it's always quite busy, which is a, a good sign in pubs. And um, yeah, so look, uh, this week we've got a, a lovely bottle of red, uh, something different, the Cote de Rhone from, uh, from France, the Rhone Valley. I do love uh, my French shreds, I really do. I'm a big fan of my French well, shreds. We've, we've, been, we've been tied into the heavier Australian reds for the last, oh gee, I don't know, a few months, and I thought this just to blend it out, something a bit different. So mm-hmm. uh, this is actually a 2019. Um, it's uh, it's an interesting drop. It, you can you can see it's uh, it, it it may mature a bit, but it's actually not that bad now. It's very nice. I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm, I'm enjoying it already. <laughs> there you go. There are a lot of good uh, French uh, I'll, I'll sort of I call them table wines that are quite van good. De, van de table. Yeah. <laughs> well, quite good. Easy to drink anytime. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Cool. Anyway, so today, yes, we're going to be talking about something fun. So I've spent the last week working on a calculator to help our accounting customers um, calculate the cost of doing IT in their business, whether their business is running effectively or not. Okay. It's a cool wow. little application. Um, I was working this morning on getting it into the app stores as well, so we're going to have some fun with that. But it's going wow. to be ready to go. I'll put a link in the um, comments so you can have a play. But I thought we might use that as an example and look at the eight or nine things a company needs to look at to understand whether they're operating you know, against their peers, whether they're operating well, whether they're operating badly. Where are they? And are they spending too little or too much on IT? That's a, that's a great idea because we do, too often we'll go and see potential clients or just businesses that we come across and they, they, don't, they don't know whether they're going really well or really poorly mm-hmm. in an IT area. They, they seem to be doing lots of things very well, but they don't necessarily always understand what good looks like. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the other thing is sometimes you go and sit with a customer and say, no, we think you should be spending. And I think you say, yeah, for basic IT, you should be spending about $200 a user, right? Is that the number? That, that is, that's a, a, a figure that gives you a decent result around IT. It's like covers the managed services element, covers all of your operational costs, your, uh, your internet, your phone. Um, allocation of hardware costs, provided you're not doing anything very specific. And, and, um, and this isn't our number, right? This is no. industry research. This is. Yeah. We, we've seen this a lot higher. I've, I've seen it averaging, uh, well, actually, I've seen it higher as around 275 per user. But to be fair, that's for businesses that are, are using technology very strongly in their business. Could be financial services where they've moved um, actuarial roles into the um, into the PC mm-hmm. or where they've actually um, done financial modelling um, as part of that. So where they're really heavily based around technology for their usage model. And, and of course, right down the other end, 
around that sort of 125 mark is where we've seen very basic, just a few a few things. Maybe you don't need technology that much for your business model, but mm-hmm. I think everything these days is really getting a bit bit sort of focused around how do I use technology. So yeah, no, you're you're, you're right there, Scott. And I, th- I think it's it's fascinating to watch. So the example we chose was accounting firms because it's pretty easy to understand how they use technology. Everyone has a computer. Most of their work's done on a computer every day, yeah. so they should really be at the upper end of that. Yeah, I, I think um, in, in theory, yes, but I think you can sort of find around that $200 mark that mm-hmm. a lot of the applications and systems that they tend to use now are fairly standardized. Yep. Um, you wouldn't say that um, like if you're using Zero, it's not your version of Zero is any different to anybody else's version of Zero. You haven't got sure. these really unique applications you're running anymore. Um, there's a lot more systems that have been produced to um, you know, deliver the standard business functions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. So let's get through the, if, if we let's step through the things that I thought were important, let's have a chat about them. Yeah, Does that okay. So, so number one is the number of partners. And mm. when I first wrote this, right, I had calculate the number of partners. And then as an answer to look at what that data meant, I went back and I said, well, the largest accounting firm in the world, which is Deloitte, has 5,968 partners, right? So where do you rank on that? Now, as we're ranking you know, little accounting firms with one or two or three partners, that wasn't such a good metric. No. So, so I phoned a friend. I phoned Trevor, who we, used to, we worked with at Hub One, who's an accountant, and said... What is it, the number of partners, how does that change an accounting firm? And he said, well, the way we look on number of partners is each partner should be able to bring in a million dollars worth of revenue a year. Okay. So it's pretty easy to go, per partner, you should at least be bringing in that million bucks a year. And if you're not, why not? Yeah. Okay. So so there's the first one, number of partners. Okay. But the other thing I thought about it is the more partners you have, and I've seen this in a couple of firms, the more different processes you have. Each partner wants to do things a different way. So you actually get more complexity. And I think where guys like the big four get it right is they go, we're not gonna let an individual partner dictate this is how we do something standard like an ITR. Here's the Deloitte standard way of doing it. That gives us repeatability, scalability, and the ability to grow. And that's where I think the smaller firms miss something. Do, so, do in your firm, do you have a team of champions, or do you have a champion team? Good point. Yep. Yep. And then that's very common. So, I remember going to a firm in Brisbane, and we said, well, we're going to do some process mapping and map out your processes. But let's pick the easy one, the income tax return for an individual. We all know how that works. Well, I don't, but accountants <laughs> do. And we started drawing it up on the board. And as we got to, I think, the third step, one of the partners went, well, my team don't do it that way. What do they do? And he went off with this whole different process. And I went, well, which one's best? And none of them could decide which was the best one. They all thought theirs was. So anyway, fascinating. Number of partners. Okay, number of partners. Yep, cool. Next thing, number of clients. And by clients, this is a really hard metric. It's quite funny. Is a family a client? Is a group a client? Is a company a client? Is a human being a client? So the way I thought we'd measure it is the number of tax-paying entities. Yes. Cool. So what I did there, number of tax-paying entities, number of clients in your practice management system, if you have one. Um, And I got a report from the Business Fitness called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Oh, yes. It's a good report. It's a good report. talks about all sorts of things for accounting firms. And one of the things it said is 
really the top performing Australian firms have about 245 tax paying entities per partner. So that says, that's, you're thinking of that as an optimal number that says, if, if I've got more than that, I'm probably, what, underservicing them? Not necessarily, because I think through automation, what we're finding in ah. other geogra- geographies is you can get up to about a thousand taxpaying entities. Wow. And when we look at the bigger firms, they have way more taxpaying entities per partner because they've got efficiency and scale and all sorts right. of things. Okay. Which is, which is quite fascinating. So that's the next measure. And um, what, what, let's say I had a lot less than that as a partner. Well, you might have a lot less who are massive. Right, so so you might have I don't know. I pick one at random, Coles or Woolworths. Right. Okay, right. That's going to require a lot of time from your team to deal with that individual okay. account. Okay. Um, but when we're talking, you know, SMEs, mum and dad shops, family trusts, self-managed superannuation funds, and individuals, that's the kind of the number you should look at for that general suburban accounting okay. practice. At least according to Business Fitness, I don't make up the statistics. I just. I just read them. So a good way to benchmark yourself is how many partners you have and then how many taxpaying entities per partner. Okay, cool. The get next that? one, should we go through the next one? The next one. The remote is I haven't even talked about tech yet. Mm. Right? But what technology does in all of these is it helps you streamline and be more effective. So if you want more taxpaying entities per partner, you need good tech. So you need to automate. Yeah. Okay. Next one is number of staff. Fair enough. And we calculate the number of billable and non-billable staff. And what we found, and this is borne out by um, some data I've seen from uh, CPA, the Certified Practicing Accountants Association and Chartered Accountants ANZ, is that a well-performing medium, small to medium-sized firm has up to 10 staff per partner. Right? So okay. a partner can okay. run a team of about 10 people normally. Again, that gets really shifted in the big end of town. But in the suburban end of town, that's kind of the number. So we look at the number of staff, we look at the number of partners, and we tell you how you're doing okay. around that. It's an interesting ratio. It is, it is. So it looks, it's, because we now know in small and medium accountants, every partner has different processes. You almost have separate businesses running underneath them. They all have their teams. And Anyway, I won't go into that. So the next one is something that if you don't know as an accounting firm, you really should, which is your average hourly rate. And this is the average amount of money. Let's say in a month, I've got a number of hours available to work by my staff, minus holidays and some stuff. You have an available number of hours. You divide that by the revenue for the month. That's your average hourly rate. Okay. Because I mean, at the end of the day, an accounting firm is a professional services firm. It is, and that's a that would be a key metric. Yeah, so it's a real key metric. So you need to find out what that number is. And the really good firms are cracking four hundred bucks an hour, average yeah. hourly rate. How much of that do you think would involve their intellectual property rolled into systems doing the work for them? It, it's it's a lot of that. Yeah. It's also understanding how accountants bill. So accountants bill in two different ways. They either bill um, on a per hourly basis. So you say, I want this piece of job done. They get about eight hours and they charge you per hour. Some accountants are doing either value-based pricing. How much is that income tax return worth to you, Mr. Customer? Yes. Or they're doing a monthly contract, like a managed service for accounting. And you know that, right? You run a managed service business. I I know um, an acquisition we did a number of years ago. um, The the company we were acquiring, um, they needed some tax advice, which was going to help how we structured the acquisition 
And this was um, this was something that was either going to save them a bucket of money or cost them a bucket of money. Yep. So they um, they went to, um, I'm pretty sure it was Ernst Young at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, they came back uh, a few days later with a single PowerPoint page. Wow. And it said, there are 12 steps on this page. If we do this, we save $57,000, I think it was at the time. And they go, okay, that's great. That's a... Uh, it looks like a fairly simple bit of paper, and these these steps don't look like they're unique that they've been designed for you. This looks like an existing process where someone's worked out, oh, we know about this. Here is this. What, what did they charge you for this? It was, it was about 25 grand. Now, to me, that's about 25 grand for what could have been a couple of hours' work. Yeah. That's, that's a good... It's, it's a good outcome, because it, it still saved them the $57,000 in the end. Yep. Well, less than twenty five. <laughs> yeah, but still, but, you, you, yeah. it's a business benefit. So that's it right. It didn't cost you. It actually made you money at the, yeah. the result. And it was very sound advice. We did that, and lo and behold, it was accurate. And that's kind of the stuff accounting firms are being recommended to do in advisory at the moment, yeah. is, is that kind of thing. So, so that's average hourly rate. Now, when I know the number of staff you have and the average hourly rate, mm. I can then work out, first of all, if I've got three partners, I should be able to make $3 million. Okay. If I've got the average hourly rate and the number of stuff, I can kind of work out what you are making. And where's that delta is the thing. Because oh. if I've got an earning capacity, let's say of three mil, and I'm only pulling in a mil and a half, something's wrong compared to your peers. Right, so none of this is pie in the sky. There are firms doing these numbers. Yeah, but 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 I do see that there is a there is a billing ceiling. Mm-hmm. If the only thing you're doing is labour at a small hourly rate, there's yep. only so much you can get out of a person in a year. Yeah, even if you push them harder and harder and harder, and they do more and more and more, there, there is ultimately a limit. Yes, there is. But I've, I've noticed though, if you leave the computer on twenty four hours a day, it doesn't mind. <laughs> yes, it doesn't care. It doesn't care. If you've got the computer doing stuff, it, it doesn't have a limit. Yeah. Because if you want to double its capacity by two computers, that kind of stuff. Talking of computers, right? We've looked at those business metrics. Yes. Let's look at some technology ones. Oh, okay. So I spent a bunch of time going, I don't want to make this too complex because nobody will do it. So what are the few simple things we can think about in technology that really affect an accounting firm? And the first one is the number of servers. Okay. Okay, have a guess. What's the ideal number of servers an accounting firm should have? Well, look, the, the way I look at things, I think they should have zero. Correct. Oh, Absolutely right. <laughs> that was a good guess. So, so what we do is we've taken some, um, some industry statistics and we've worked out how much a server costs. Now, server costs are really weird. You have to buy the hardware. They have some failures during their seven-year life that you need to replace. Yes, yes. Um, you need to back them up. You need to maintain them. You need to install software. You need to service them. Right? Servers over that seven-year lifetime can cost up to like 190k a server. Ooh. Right? And it's not. It, it can really add up. It, it really adds up. So we look at that and we divide that again by seven and work out as a percentage of revenue how much your servers are costing you. Okay. Right? Which is a really interesting number. And this is what we call the total cost of ownership yep. or TCO, which yep. is a, a term we're very familiar with, but. I notice that outside of the IT industry, not too many people sort of grasp it. No, they don't. The, the, the other thing that's funky is a server really is giving you no benefit anymore. Correct. There's no need to have them. They're just a cost and a painful one at that, so I wouldn't do servers. Then we're going to look at three key areas of software. Okay. One of them is your collaboration platform. 
if you think about what you do as an accounting firm, you've got emails flying left and right. You've yes. got to communicate with your team. We've had COVID, so you need to do live meetings or video conferences. There's a whole bunch of collaboration stuff you need to do. So this is all your workflows and your... It is. Okay. And we ask you what your platform is. And some firms are as simple as, oh, we just use Gmail accounts. Right. right. Now, I want you to think, you know, you do IT security... If an accountant sent you an email with a form from the tax office with your tax file number in it on a Gmail account, how happy would you be about that? Yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not sure I'd be very happy at all. Yeah, but they're out there. There's Gmail and Hotmail, but even worse, even worse is what we call ISP mail. Oh. So, so a TPG well, account or a Big uh, Pond account. Actually, the, the ISP mail is more secure. That's because nobody uses it, Scott. Well, there, there is that. No, but... Um, if you look at the original free email providers, like the Hotmails the, and the Gmail free uh, level accounts, and look at the actual conditions of use, that data is not yours. Oh, yeah, it belongs to them. Yes. Yeah, so at least in the old ISP accounts, those sort of conditions didn't exist. It's only when you get into the actual paid business accounts that you actually retain ownership of your data. So, so you're going to score higher on this if you've got something like Office 365 or G Suite. Yes, Anything else? Now, Exchange, you're now going to score quite low because Exchange has been breached, I think, twice in the last month. Uh, um, if, so if anyone has an Exchange server out there and you haven't patched it recently up to the latest level, just stop whatever you're doing and do it now because it has been... Uh, known vulnerabilities have been published. It has been breached. And there are hackers out there actively searching the web for Exchange servers that have not been patched. And, Frightening. And the breaches essentially say, we know how to get into your Exchange server without cr credentials and yep. get admin level access. Yep. And copy all your data out. Awesome. Let's not do that then. Anyway, so that's collaboration. Yes. We're almost there. We've only got two more to look at. Okay. The next one is the practice management platform. Ooh, yes. So if you're not an accountant, you call this your CRM. Yes. But if you are an accountant, this is where your list of clients go, all your jobs, what you're billing, all your yes, tasks, yes, that yes. kind of stuff. Right? Some firms, would you believe, still don't have a practice management platform? Um, and look, in, in some cases, if they're very small and they could maintain 10 or 20 clients in their head and what they're doing, I suppose I, I get that. But, but remember what we talked about earlier, which yes. is the number of tax-paying entities per partner. We want that number up. We do, and you've got to be able to have that managed somehow. You need a system to do it. Okay. There's a bunch of different systems. Some of them require a server. Now, remember what we said before. Ah, yes. Servers are bad. Okay. <laughs> and this is where we'd look for hosted applications. Hosted or SaaS. Yes. SaaS is always better, isn't it? SaaS. Talks about that. Okay, so that's practice management. You have to have one. Okay. That's important because that automates some of your workflow. Yes. The next most important thing to automate your workflow is document management. Absolutely. Now, I'm always going to say that Hub One One Practice is the best document management system in the world, but there are others. I've heard that. <laughs> Someone said there were others. I didn't believe them. But no, there are. Yeah. One thing I do know, though, is that historically, accounting firms have lots of paper. Historically, yes. Yes. I think the IT industry has been promising the paperless office for about seven million years. I still saw that somewhere. Yeah, but we, we did, did. We did speak about that. We did, but firms are actually, yeah, accounting firms are now getting their head around it. Yes. We're getting less and less paper. But boy, if you're using Explorer as your document management system, and I mean by that also Dropbox or just OneDrive or anything that's files and folders, then there's some risk. You don't have all the automation you could have. 
if you don't have a document management system that will create documents automatically for you, then you run the risk of your staff using an old template and leaving another client's name in a document. And you'd be surprised how often that happens. I remember getting a sales proposal once that had a different client's name in it. Yeah, I, I got given a contract the other day that had someone else's name in it. And this stuff happens all the time. Wow. But you need a good document management system. There's some out there. So at the end of this, what you get is you get on, on screen a report detailing how you're doing, how you're going against your peers, what choices you made against things and which are good. So that's great. kind of our calculator. What do you think? That's great. Cool. Look at that. He has well, to say that, by the way. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, look, at least you get a feel for where you are. Yep. And look, there's no expectations that everyone's going to get a really high result or a really low result. But at least you can see that if you're down in getting low results in there, maybe it's just time to spend a little bit of effort looking at how you're doing things. So, so I will say as well, with our calculator, it doesn't send us any information. We don't know, even know right. you've used it until you hit the button saying get help and type in your email address. That's the only time we see what you're doing. Up until then, you can play with it. Just go and play and put in different results and see what your business will look like if you change certain things. Oh. There you go. Cool. And I, uh, um, my fine producer sitting there, he's written something on the paper. I don't know what he's saying. I think he needs help. Oh, it's an app. Yes, it's an app. Oh, it's, it's, an actually, app. it's an app. It's going to be in the Android App Store. It's going to be in the Windows App Store. Not quite in the iOS App Store, but you can still get to it from the URL. Very good. Cool. Well, there we go. That was interesting. It was. Yeah, I got to talk for once. I was just asking you all the questions this time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's a change for everything. Yeah, cool. So that's talking about that. What's happened in the industry this week, Scott? Oh, I tell you what, we... We've been really busy, actually. Uh, part of it's, you know, we had a um, public holiday not long ago, being Easter. Yep. And you now we've got a public holiday coming up, although it's on a Sunday. Yeah, for, stupid for Anzac public Day. holiday on a Sunday. But, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, I'm, just, I'm just seeing a lot of activity. Um, I'm not sure whether it's because having been sort of in this COVID sleepy pattern for a year, people have suddenly worked out end of financial years coming. Look, you know, three months to go. Maybe we'd better go and achieve something. So yep. we can at least put a few ticks in boxes this year. But there's a lot going on. It is. It's very busy. It's very busy. And I like that. That's good. But it also means, are people being productive in their business? Right. Or are they just being busy producing what, in theory, could be done a lot quicker? See, that's something accountants should all think about nearing tax time. Yes. Are you just being busy or are you actually being really efficient? Yeah, I mean, ideally, I'd rather be sitting on that beach in Hawaii with the Mai Tai. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But That's I can't good. get out of the country yet. Yeah, it will come. It will come. Enough of that. Anyway, yeah. Scott, thank you so much. I think that was a sure. cool wind down. I enjoyed that. Thank you, Nick. And everyone, take care. If you want us to cover a topic, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Please subscribe. I know there'll be people listening to us as a podcast, people looking at us on YouTube or on Facebook. But feel free to reach out and leave us a comment or give us a topic that you'd like us to discuss anyway hope you have a great day we'll see you later thanks everyone cheers bye